0: The Writing Room is a space for authors to exchange positive ideas, professional advice and motivation. In our podcast series, you'll find interviews with authors, publishing professionals and wider industry contacts about writing, publishing, top tips and best practice. In this episode, we spoke to author JD Kirk about the perks of being independent, his writing schedule and his writing inspirations. J.D. Kirk is the pen name of multi-award-winning author, screenwriter and writer of comics Barry Hutchison. Born and raised in Fort William in the Highlands of Scotland, Barry wanted to be a writer from the age of nine when a kindly librarian wrote his name on the spine of a notebook in which he'd written a short story and put it on the shelf. Since then, he has written over 140 books for children as Barry Hutchison, over 15 for adults as Barry J. Hutchison, and is now thoroughly enjoying murdering people as J.D. Kirk. Barry still lives in Fort William with his wife and two children. Hi, JD. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Writing Room.
1: Well, thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
0: How are you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, I was speaking last night at a speaking event last night, so my throat's slightly um, kind of dry and feels weirdly swollen today. So I don't know if i just projecting to a room full of people or if I've caught some horrible illness along the way but hopefully it's the
0: former yeah let's hope it was not the latter yeah
1: yeah
0: <laughs> uh, whereabouts are you calling from today
1: i'm in fort william in the highlands of scotland right at the foot of ben nevis i'm sitting okay. in my office and um, i've pushed all the rubbish out of sight, so it looks vaguely clean <laughs> and uh yeah so it's uh, it's raining because fort william is the wettest place in europe and has been for about three years running now uh, so I uh, think last year rained three hundred days out of three hundred and sixty-five. Did it? So yeah, so it's quite it's very green.
0: Wonderful. Um, if that's okay with you, we'll just dive into the first question. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So please, can you introduce a little bit about yourself?
1: Okay, I am JD Kirk. Well, that's I'm not JD Kirk. That's a lie. My real name is Barry Hutchinson. JD Kirk is a made up pen name. I don't even know what the JD stands for. Uh, <laughs> the reason I created it was I used to be a children's author. And I didn't want kids finding all these books about murder and kidnapping and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I write Scottish crime fiction set in the Highlands because I'm actually quite a lazy person and that means I don't have to do any research because I know all the locations pretty well. Uh, So there are 15 books in the DCI Logan series at the moment. I'm working on book 16. And there are three books, four in December, uh, in a spin-off series, the Robert Hoon thriller series.
0: Wonderful, thank you. Please can you tell us a little bit about your writing and publication journey from kind of start to finish?
1: Oh, well it's quite long. Um I know. so um <laughs> professionally I, I started writing uh well I started writing books in two thousand and ten. I'll take you back I'll jump Take back,
0: back. To
1: I was nine years old, <laughs> so really <laughs> far back. Uh, I was. I didn't actually like reading books that much when I was younger. I read loads of comics, like mm-hmm. um, The Bino and The Dandy and Spider-Man and all that stuff. Um, and I had a teacher in private school who, who hated comics and hated the fact that I wouldn't read books and only read books. And there was a new librarian who came to our local library, um, and we got taken along to meet her and to kind of introduce ourselves as a class. The teacher made us all stand up and tell the librarian what sort of books we like to read. And she would then direct us to which parts of the library these books were in, you know. Um, And and the teacher left me till the end. and said, right, Patty, stand up. Tell Mrs. McAllister what you like to read. And I could have really sheepishly said i like reading comics. And Mrs. McAllister went, oh, hang on a minute. And she went through the back. And she came back out with this massive stack of comics, like this this kind of foot-high pile of comics. And she dumped them in front of me and said, well, there you go, read those. Um, And I came back to the library every day and worked my way through these comics. And I kind of later realized that she was a bit like a kind of drug dealer, like a pusher. She was kind of, she got me started on the soft stuff. And then she would go like, well, how about a book as well. And she would look at the stuff I was reading in comics. And she loved that book that's a bit like that. And she would start pushing these books on me. And I'd take these books home. and, And she got me hooked on reading. And I got to the point when I would go into the library and I would ask for, specific types of books. So I'd say, I want a book about robots. And she would go, come with me to the robot section. And she would go over there and various other things. And one day I went in and I was, for some reason, I'd become obsessed with ninjas. Mm. Um, not the air friars, but the, you know, Japanese assassins. Um, and I said, I want a book about ninjas. And she said, I don't have a book about ninjas. And I felt like betrayed by the library. Like she, she I felt just devastated. And she said but hang on a minute and she went through the back again and she came back out with this notebook and a pencil and said go and write a book about ninjas so i went away and i wrote this bloody awful story about ninjas and, and i took it back to her and to her credit she not only read it but she wrote my name on the spine of it uh-huh. and put it on the shelf and it was you know like these moments in films when the kind of clouds part and you get that big shaft of light comes down and you hear that Oh, head choir, sort of thing. (laughs) It was like that, seeing my name on this book on that shelf, and I thought that's what I want to do. Um, And I wrote every day from from then on, from when I was nine. And then uh, when I was 17, I wrote a film script which got picked up by an American film company. And the company then quite quickly went bankrupt, and the film never happened. Uh, And then I wrote another film script uh, a few years later, and it got picked up by a British film company. That company also went bankrupt, and that film never happened either. At which point I decided that i probably better not keep writing film scripts because <laughs> I single-handedly brought the entire film industry to its knees. Um, and I started to kind of get a couple of ideas for books and things. And when I was 30, I think, um, I sold a series of six books to HarperCollins. Uh, to HarperCollins children's books. It was a horror series called Invisible Fiends. About a boy um, whose imaginary friend from when he's four comes back when he's 12 and tries to kill him in a variety of creative Horrible um, ways. So, so I wrote kids' books for over ten years. wrote you know, over one hundred and fifty kids' books, and then in two thousand and sixteen, I was asked by a school way in the north of Scotland to um, to talk about how kids could write their own books, to go there and do a workshop. About how kids could publish their own books. Sorry, and I had no idea because, as far as I was concerned, you typed up a book, you emailed it to London, and six months to two years later, a book arrived in the post, and that was my entire understanding of the process so I thought well I'll look at kindle kdp and see how I could self-publish a book and then I can go and teach these kids how to do it yeah and I, I self-published this book called space team which was a, a comedy science fiction book and um, put that up and within a week it was out selling all of my children's books combined. and I thought ooh, <laughs> this, oh, is, this interesting.
0: is interesting
1: uh, I'm a, I thought I'm gonna, write, I'm gonna write a second book and I ended up writing 12 books in that series and three spin-offs and, and various other things. And, and I was actually in Glasgow um, at an event with Amazon uh, where I was talking to uh, the, the great LJ Ross uh, and her husband. And I mentioned this idea they I had for a crime fiction novel, and they were very encouraging about it and said, you should go and, go and write it. Um, and they were so encouraging, in fact, that uh, when I found out later that I was going to meet them, uh, the London Book Festival the following year, London Book Fair, sorry, the following year, um, I felt so guilty that I hadn't started it, because they'd been so encouraging, but I sat and wrote most of the book before the book fair, no so way. I could say, oh, look, I've started, I've started, um, and that was A Literal Bones, which was the first crime book I wrote, and that kind of outsold everything, you know, by a magnitude of, of 100 to 1 or something yeah does that answer the question because how do you do that I forgot what the question was no that definitely <laughs> so just, does yeah <laughs> I just keep
0: talking <laughs> no that's amazing honestly yeah it's that's really really interesting um and I think the thing is that we've found with speaking to so many different authors is how they all have different journeys um and I especially love talking to people who've done done both of them um and yeah, especially yeah. when you've done your traditional and then you've kind of come across kindle direct publishing and being like hang on
1: <laughs> yeah well for me like it's it's been you know financially life-changing but creatively life-changing as well because i was especially in kids fiction you know you can come up with ideas and you pitch them to the publisher and they go well that's really good but can you put a unicorn in it because yeah. unicorns are really hot right now and you kind of go i don't know it doesn't really fit but yeah. then they go well then we're not publishing the book so you go well, i just thought of somewhere where a unicorn could, could fit in it and you end up sort of it becomes a sort of compromised version of, of your vision. Not the to sound 2 Army, but it sounds, you know, that idea you started with becomes this watered down version. And it's almost written by committee because the sales and marketing team, they want to chuck in and go, well, we need to do that. And then it's got to be a series because standalones aren't doing well right now. So it's got, you've got, and then it's got to be for seven to nine and not nine to 12. Or, so it becomes this sort of really watered down version of this idea you had in your head. Um, so now with, with KDP, it's like, I have an idea. I write that book, and readers then decide if they want it or if they don't. And that's yes. it, it. Really slims down the process, and so you kind know, of its purest form is is good.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you kind of have so much creative control over doing it yourself.
1: Absolutely, all of it, and even things like I mean, I've been able to you sign with publishers quite often. You sign over all kinds of rights, you know, so um, they'll take audio, and they may or may not do an audio book, or you know, they take foreign rights and they may or may not exploit them. And, so you're left with all those so you can do all these different things. Today or yesterday, we just launched like a range of merchandise inspired by the the, the DCI Logan books mm-hmm. with all proceeds going to local charities. Kind of every three months the charity changes and the merchandise changes. So it's all limited edition stuff. Um and, and all the money goes to a local charity. So even being able to do things like that, you just can't do when you sign a traditional publishing contract.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. What inspires you in writing what kind of gets you going um
1: yeah i think uh it, for me it's always been characters in general so not even just the claim stuff it's always about characters for me i will i will come up with the character first usually or some people has got with that with a, with a, with a storyline first and then have to get a character that fits that but generally it's the character i come up with first and then that develops the story because i generally take a character and i'll and I'll, I'll kind of throw like a an incident, something that happens at them, and how they react to that is what makes a story. You know what I mean? It's not, mm. it's, it's, so that's kind of quite organic. Uh, so for me, yeah, it's always been character. I think I, I've always had a... Often, this is the first thing I've ever written that's been set in Scotland, but all my books, I think, have a sort of sense of Scottishness through them, and a, you know, a Scottish humour. But everything I wrote was always funny. Not intentionally, necessarily. Like The, the uh, horror series I wrote for HarperCollins, um, I, I thought it was like a proper, just, you know, scary, creepy. And the first book came out and there was a review in The Guardian or something. And it said, Mr. Mumbles is the funniest horror book I've ever read. And I thought it wasn't meant to be. It wasn't,
0: it wasn't meant to be. But, <laughs> You're like, oops.
1: So <laughs> I looked back over it and I realised that it's, it's just in that character interaction thing. I, I think it's, there are no jokes in it. It's just the humour of back and forth. And that thing of, you know, being scared and, and, and laughing is... Quite often go hand in hand that that, that sort of feeling. So um, yeah, so those were funny. All the kids were funny. When it came to the crime fiction, I thought I want to be deadly serious and I want to be it's just to be dark and it's going to be like these you kind know, of psychological thriller type things. And um, I tried three or four attempts at doing that, starting the book like that, and it never really went anywhere. And and then I I just couldn't quite get the voice right. And then I wrote. Um, the, the the version of the first light that appears in the actual book is the total collapse of Duncan Reed's life began with a gate in the arse end of nowhere. And when I wrote that it suddenly it all like it clicked in what the voice for the book was gonna be. Um so they are like they are proper series plots, but it's um mm. the the character interaction that really interests me. So it's all those characters first that inspire me. And I would say at this stage, you know fifteen books in, the series is a is a soap opera with murders, you know. It's, mm. it's, people are, I, I don't get emails about the plot. Occasionally, I do but mostly I get emails going, "Oh, I'm really worried about that character because you know there was a character discovered they had cancer in one book, and there was you know a character was pregnant in another book, and the people are oh, really worried that they're going to get they're going to be all right and And the best compliment I've ever had was there's a character at the moment that's um, pregnant in the series, and had two people contact me to they say they'd start admitting and then realised that the babies weren't going to exist. <laughs> Just, so they actually
0: no. started getting
1: <laughs> the like of babies. <laughs> and then they like, oh, no, what are we I doing? Um, so two people had contacted me about that. So, so it becomes that, um, yeah, it's, it's nice when that, that happens, that, that kind of connection people form. Um, yeah, so characters for me is what it's, all, what it's all about.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's really great. What is your writing schedule? What does that kind of look like? How do you, do you really plot out or do you kind of just roll with it?
1: Um, it varies, really. Like, I, I generally know who done it with the crime stuff. With the other stuff, I, I, I almost had a vague idea of where it was going, but quite often didn't end up there. Um, with the crime fiction stuff, I like to at least know who, who's responsible for the murder of the first chapter, you know, so um, I, I know that. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that sometimes it doesn't change, but generally speaking, that's fixed in place. Um, and it's much easier to write if I, if I do plot it out. Like, I wish I had the discipline to, to meticulously plot a department because when I do that, I can write a book incredibly quickly and incredibly stress-free, and it's just, uh, it just sort of happens. When I don't plot it in, t- in much detail, it's a stressful thing. You're constantly sort of tearing out of your head, going, oh, God, what happens next? And so I wish I had the discipline to, to do that. Out. But I'm always so excited to start. That's the problem. Yeah. It's almost like, oh no, I know what I can just go and I can figure out as I go. So it's kind of a bit of both. There's some light plotting involved. Um, in terms of actual kind of writing um, process, I I write in the mornings. I generally I use a thing called Pacemaker, uh, mm-hmm. a bit of software, and I just I go. The book will be ninety thousand words, hundred thousand words, whatever. I want to finish it by this date, and I want to take weekends off. And Pacemaker then goes right. You have to write. Two thousand words a day, and um, and I hit that every day basically. And if I don't hit that, then I've I, I haven't done my job properly. I never get that, um, writer's block thing. I think because for the last you know since two thousand and ten, um, two thousand before than that, two thousand and seven actually when I when I got the deals with Harper Collins, um, two thousand and ten the first book came out. But since two thousand and seven, um, my children's ability ability to eat has been entirely reliant on me being able to write words. yeah. And so um, I never get that thing of going, you know, blank screens. is always scary, but I never let it stay blank for long. Yeah. You know, it's that thing of like, well, I have these words to write. Because writer's block, I think, I always think is a bit of because you don't get writer's block in any other job. Mm-hmm. You, don't get, you don't get, you know, policeman's block. You don't get uh, none of that stuff. Um, they have a job to do, and it's in some days it's easier to do than others. And, yeah. But that's just like any other job
0: yeah it's just important to kind of get the words down
1: yeah yeah and I think having that number helps having that that fixed goal of going right I have these number of words must be written otherwise I haven't done my job
0: yeah. I then just
1: going oh that feels fine uh, I would, I would kind of tap out about a thousand words and go that feels like enough yeah but having that number fixed and
0: stoned and that really helps me focus definitely and what does your editorial process look like do you kind of edit as you go along or do you have a draft and send it off to an editor um i
1: generally i write the first draft from completion i think the reason i do that so i write that the whole thing in one go um yep. i used to edit as i went along when i first started writing and that meant that i never finished those books because you would always go okay i'll go back and check on oh, no, all well, that means tweaking and I'll go back and check and then, so i would get about a third away through the book and i would just keep honing that third sort of a great first third of a book but I would never get beyond it because I'd always find something that could be changed. Mm-hmm. So for me, the first draft is like the sort of lump of clay on a potter's wheel that you can shape that once it exists. But until you've got that first draft, you have nothing. You know, a third of a book is not a book. So the first you know, a terrible first draft is, is infinitely better than a great, you know, five chapters because that's nothing. So um, yeah, get the first draft done. And then leave a couple of days, I'll then go back and I'll work through and edit it myself. And then I'll send it off to the editor and she'll give her notes and all that
0: stuff. And then it'll go to be proofed and all that. Yeah. And then it'll be
1: published and then we'll find five titles, which, which no one has spotted.
0: It always happens. Yeah. yeah. Every time.
1: <laughs> but that, that's the thing. That's the, there was that thing of people going, oh, self to published books. there are all no I have found that not to be the case. I found the worst case of that was when I was writing for HarperCollins. And they published 13,000 copies of a book of mine with the top of page 17 on page 18. And all the apostrophes had been replaced with double quotation marks. So like don't was D-O-N, double quotation marks, T. Yeah. Um, so And that's HarperCollins, one of the biggest publishers in the world. They then pulped all 13,000 copies. They reprinted 13,000 copies from the same file, pulped those 13,000 copies, and then fixed it.
0: Oh, no.
1: So the first, I have like 10... I author copies of the first edition, which have all the mistakes, and then um, the the first one that went on sale was third edition because edition two was was just destroyed <laughs> when they realised. The right I think it just came off the printing press straight into the washing machine.
0: <laughs> yeah, straight away. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, you set up your own digital first publisher. Yes. And we would love to hear about that. Right.
1: Well. Um, yeah, it was kind of just a way of uh, just making it all a bit more formal and official, really. I was When I was doing the Stacey books, I was just doing them as myself, sole trader, and um, just kind of felt a bit ad hoc and a bit um, not unprofessional, but just a bit kind of slung together. So what we wanted to do when I was kind of moving towards a crime fiction, I thought, well, let's look at this as a, as a proper publishing company. So we wanted to get into doing, you know, foreign rights sales. We wanted to um beginning you know film rights sales, audio sales, so we thought we'll set up as a limited company. And uh to start with, we were just publishing my books. We're still at the moment just publishing my books. Yeah. But we have we work with you know rights agents in the US, the UK and we have so it's much more like a like an actual publishing company. We have people working with us and, and all that stuff. And so I no longer just do everything myself, which is how I started out. Because when I started um Space Team I had no money to spend on it. I can't afford to to take a chance on this, so I had to, I designed the covers myself. I, I you know did all the manuscript. I edited it all myself and formatted it and marked it everything, so long. Uh, So now thankfully we're able to. I'm gonna I outsource all these bits to different people and and I kind of try and focus as much as possible on just writing it.
0: Yeah, because at the end of the day, you are the only person that, that can do that. Yeah, bit. well
1: that's it. I was finding that bit like there are people that can do all the other stuff much better than I can. There are people can design covers far better than I can. And people know more about marketing and people can do, you know, go to book fairs and sell rights and all that. But I'm the only one that can write the books, you know. So yeah. so it's about focusing on that bit that you're good at and then yeah. trying to get people who have other skills to kind of complement that. So so that's what we've been doing for the last few years and it, it's, um, it's it's finally sort of starting to feel like a lot of the weight has been lifted off my shoulders. Yeah,
0: yeah, totally. Um, I saw the other day on your like Facebook fan group, um, that you asked about covers to your readers.
1: Yeah, that's the first time I've done that, really. Yeah, I I, I was, I'm going between two different um, two different styles of cover for a sort of spin off I'm doing, uh, and I thought I'd ask them. I have a really active reader group, you know. So mm. uh, mailing list, you know, if I send out an email, I'll get. Three hundred responses to it, and people just tell me about their day and all that stuff. And, and I try to reply to as many as I can. And, um, and the Facebook, they're all really um, kind of, like the groups self sustaining now. They they kind of chat amongst themselves. And and like last Christmas, there was some readers who were kind of on the road at Christmas, and so we did some set up like quizzes and things for Christmas Day, and then they all got together on the group and chatted. And, uh, so it was nice. It's like a little kind of community that has, has developed around it, and and so so I call it the Judy Kirk VIP Club. So it's yep. a free membership to the VIP club, and you get some, uh, you get photos in the local area, and you get some extra bonus scenes and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and I think people just like feeling like a when people enjoy something, they like kind of feeling like a part of something with other people who enjoy it. You know, it becomes yeah. that little tribe of of kind of of, of people that are like you. So. Um, that's how I have looked at all sort of, I don't do a lot of marketing as such. I hate, and I always have done, I hate kind of going up and going, hey, buy this book, is great. Well. Um, when I did, you know, the kids' books, I basically did stand-up comedy for kids and occasionally mentioned the fact that I'd written some books because um, I hate that sort of hard sell thing. Hmm. So for me, it's always been about building that community around the books, whether that's the Space Team series or the Crime series. And that seems to work. Work really well, and people you know, people are part of that want to bring their friends into it. Want to record, so they recommend the books and, and you know, all that stuff. So, so they kind of then do the the selling for They become kind of advocates for the the books, really.
0: Yeah, so it's like all about building that community, understanding yeah, yeah. what they like and what they don't like, and interacting with them, and and then they bring people in by word of mouth. That's
1: it. Yeah, and I think by doing that, you also just you just get a feel of what yeah what they like and, and, and what sort of books they're interested in and, and that has helped kind of steer kind of what i'm doing going forward you know i don't it doesn't like it doesn't dictate plots or anything like that but i kind of go well you know people are interested in this character and, and i might try and do something with them differently or and um, although it's actually worked kind of the opposite for that because the, the two spin-offs i've done feature probably the, the, the least popular characters of uh of the series so it almost becomes like a challenge
0: yeah. I see people go, oh I hate that
1: character and I go, right, I'm going to make you like
0: them. <laughs> I will I'm make gonna, you like them. <laughs> forget,
1: you're going to go, oh actually you changed my mind so it becomes kind of a challenge to, to do that so, um, yeah because there's a character that everyone loves I think it's quite difficult then, to do something all that interesting with mm. them, I mean it's that thing of, they might not have what it takes to stand on their own as a character if they're yeah. just, everyone likes them you need that edge to them that um, that, that makes them interesting
0: yeah, completely. And I think that's what's exciting about being independent is that you can you can do those things.
1: Yeah, you can experiment with all these things. Yeah, There's no one to say no. I don't you know. like the spin-off thing I did, which was picking one of the most unpopular characters? I know if I had gone to a publisher and said, like, everyone hates this guy, I want to write three books about him, they would have said, well, don't do that. You know, that's madness. <laughs> um, and maybe it was madness, but, like, they've, 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 you know, people would really enjoy them, they have done really well, so, uh, so clearly it wasn't. Interestingly, actually, when I said three books, the spin-off series, uh, it was going to be a three-book spin-off, and it's now a four-book spin-off mm-hmm. because um, the first book was called North Wind, the second one was called South Pole, and the third one was called Westward. And it was my son who said, "Well, you can't not do a fourth book. You can't have North, South, and West and not do a fourth mm-hmm. one." And I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's a fair point." yeah. so I had to come up with one that start with the East as well. So that comes, out, <laughs> that comes out in December. So that's called Eastgate and it's set in Mm -hmm. um, the East Gate Shopping Centre in Inverness. Basically, basically die hard on a shopping centre
0: essentially. Yeah, oh that's amazing.
1: With a lot of swearing and
0: a (laughs) I'm intrigued already. Thank you for listening to this episode of the writing room podcast to see more interviews like this, please follow the podcast on your preferred streaming service. And you can join our community Facebook page at the writing room, or by using the link in the description below.